3: Welcome to the Cosmo Happy Hour. It's everything you would talk about with your best friends, from sex to celebrity to entertainment.
4: From the editors of
1: Cosmopolitan.com, this is the Cosmo Happy Hour with Elisa Benson.
4: So here's a question we talk about all the time in the Cosmo office. Would you ever go to a sex party? Or what about an orgy tent? Or what about your partner? Can they come too? Just typical Cosmo talk. I'm Elisa Benson. This is Cosmopolitan.com's Happy Hour podcast. And today we are talking about sex party confessions. Joining me on the panel today is Cosmopolitan.com's Senior Sex and Relationships Editor Allie Drucker. Hi, Allie. Hi, Alisa. So would you ever go to a sex party, Allie?
5: Oh, I would totally go. Honestly, I feel like it's one of those things on the sex editor bucket list
4: checklist that I just got to do to earn my title. So one day. One day. Any day now. And also joining us on the phone is Kate Willett. Hi, Kate. How are you? Good. How are you? Good. Good. And we wanted to I think you are the only person in the room or in this case on the phone in the room who has ever actually been to a sex party cool
5: (laughs) (laughs) it is cool
4: um so you okay so tell us a little bit about your sex party experience you and I've also heard that it's important to distinguish actually between the orgy tent at Burning Man and a traditional sex party do you have a feeling on that
0: well I mean the the orgy tent at Burning Man is a place that you can go have sex at Burning Man and there's a bunch of people that are having sex in there also and I think that Part of the reason that people have sex in the orgy time at Burning Man is because they are into having sex in public or having sex with multiple people at the same time. But I also think that part of it is just it's a clean place to have sex when you're at Burning Man, which can be pretty hard to come by. So I think pretty it is a, yeah. a pretty wide cross section of people. Um, you know, I definitely have also been to sex positive events in San Francisco where I used to live. I don't know. Um, if I don't know if the like people throwing those parties would be comfortable calling them sex parties, they're parties where in certain rooms sex was happening with a lot of different people, but I think it was also about the community and the socializing probably at least as much as sexuality.
5: Right. I've definitely heard terms like play party and things like that turned around because they're a little bit more all-encompassing and don't really yeah, they're not as think, prescriptive. Yeah, I think
4: that that's probably what they would call it. Yeah. And so how many did you go to Burning Man just this past were you just there? Yeah, I just went. I didn't go to the Orgy Tent this time though. <laughs> okay, how many times have you yeah. been to Burning Man? I've been in Burning Man four times. Four I really times. love it. Okay. Yeah. Okay. And can you, I guess, just sort of to kick this off, for people listening to the podcast that maybe aren't super familiar with Burning Man, or certainly it's something that people from the outside who have never been have certain conceptions about, can you sort of talk about, you know, why are you sort of a regular Burning Man or a regular burner? Is that what they're called? You know, why is it important to you? Can you kind of explain a little bit about the event?
0: Well, it's a big arts festival. It has like 70,000 people, and I think it's a pretty cool experiment in community out in the desert. I mean, it's basically making a city that's not a city for most of the year. Um, And it's it's a really cool time to go see a bunch of art and also have a lot of different interactions with people that are different than the way that we typically interact and I definitely don't just mean sex or drugs or whatever I'm it's not based on like buying things or watching tv or you know being at work or talking about work it's just it's really separate from that and I feel like I'm able to have some really cool conversations with people about just a lot of topics that don't don't come up when we're just like oh what do you do for a living you
4: know right and I think that was important to have your perspective and your clarity in that because certainly from the outside people think that it's all about um it's all about sex and drugs and you know everyone that has been I think talks more about this feeling of community but that said um so you had a pregnancy scare after being in the orgy tent right (laughs)
0: yeah I did okay so first of all tell us about the guy in the orgy tent yeah.
4: Okay. So tell us about the orgy tent because you can't, we can't just like drop in orgy tent and not like give some deets.
0: Um, it's, like big tent. <laughs> it's like a big tent. I mean, actually, it's more like a dome. Like, I don't know. I don't know how to describe it for people that haven't been to like outdoor festivals before, but it's just, it's a big dome. Kind of looks like a massive shade structure and um it's pretty big you know there's multiple rooms of it and um it looks like just a big tent and then there's like beds and bedding and there's I think a room that you there's at least two rooms and if I recall correctly I think there was a room that you could go in if you wanted to just play with your partner that you came there with um and then there was a room that you could go in if you felt like you wanted to interact with, you know, more people than not By interact, I mean hook up with. You know, mm-hmm. obviously it's all, um, everything is, consent is important. Like in in none of those rooms could you just start, you know, grabbing people or hooking up with someone that didn't want to hook up with you. Like it's, communication and consent is important in any situation.
5: Yeah. I mean, department. At at an event like Burning Man that really does thrive on the free free spirit mentality, I was so surprised to learn that there were like quite a bit of rules. Like, we ran a piece about the originome at Burning Man on Cosmo.com, and one of the participants compared it to like waiting in line at the DMV. Like, she said there was tons of waiting, tons of lines that, you know, everybody gets interviewed. It
0: was was waiting. I think I waited in line for an hour, half an hour before going in for sure. Yeah.
4: So there's definitely nothing sexy sounding about the DMV. Is that at it, like is the mood in the orgy dome sexy?
0: Um, well, I mean the thing is, is like in the lane outside, you know it's everybody at burning man. like you know it's, it, it's basically the whole it's, everyones still people that went to that festival. So you end know, up no socializing with people and stuff like that. Um, I mean, do I personally find it sexy? I wouldn't say so, honestly. Like, (laughs) uh, you know, I mean, I'm very glad that it exists, but it's probably not my personal idea of um, what excites me. It's definitely people who have been camping.
4: For a week, you know. <laughs> it depends on which day you go. You know? <laughs> like go on the first day is what you're saying.
5: Yeah, maybe. Maybe that's better. <laughs> totally. Yeah. One of the participants said that like her legs were really chapped from like riding her bike around the plot And I just like was reading this, thinking like, oh my god, I can think of nothing that sounds more unpleasant in the world than like seven days in going to this orgy full of dust and like your legs are burning from bike.
0: Yeah. Yeah, I mean, it. it I don't know. I, mean, I, I think that an orgy is kind of like, it's sort of probably over-representing it. Like, it's not everyone all hooking up yeah. together. I think that I just hooked up with the guy that I came there with. Yeah, I think that I just hooked up with the guy that I came there with. And if people are in the area where they're hooking up with, you know, people that they just met there, it's still not like an orgy, like everyone all hooking up together it's still just hooking up with the people that you worked it out with you know that it's like want
4: it's like a, with you it's like a boring orgy <laughs> and, and i bet that most
0: orgies kind of are honestly i mean yeah. especially in the sex positive community i think that it's pretty much a baseline like consent is very very important and so to just start grabbing people would probably not be okay in almost any situation. I don't know. I mean, there may be some situations where like a group of people come together and they know each other and have worked it out in advance, but like situations where it's just a bunch of strangers and it's just a free for all, I would I would say that I've never seen it, you know, I'm not sure if it I'm not sure if it goes on or not.
4: Right. So even with it's, it's like the myth of the orgy, it's still a myth, even if you visited an actual orgy tent. <laughs> the yeah, continues. I mean,
0: yeah, I think it's just, you know, it's really important that people's uh, boundaries are respected, even in a situation where it's all about sex positivity. You know, maybe it's even more important in those situations.
4: Sure. And so I know you said that this past year when you went to Burning Man, you didn't go back to the Orgy Tent, but you mentioned that you've been to some other play parties and stuff like that or had been when you were in San Francisco. Did you feel like those had a different vibe or is there something you appreciated about those more compared to the Orgy Tent experience?
0: Well, I think that one thing that you'll find at a lot of those parties is it's a lot about, the community because, I you know, I think that the default in our society is definitely monogamy. And I think that a lot of people at those parties are are going as much to make friends uh, with other people who are poly and sex positive as they are about find people to have sex with. I mean, you know, it's both. Sure. Sex sure. isn't not part of it, but... Um, You know, I think depending, um, a lot of them, I think, can feel a lot more like community events. I haven't always gone to those parties, like, recreationally. I perform as a comedian at a lot of events. I get booked because my act is pretty sex positive and stuff. So I've been there as a performer probably a lot of times to Mm -hmm. different events
4: like that. Um, That's actually a really... That's like a really wonderful kind of like compliment because it's like, I feel like you need the exact kind of right entertainer to like entertain the, um, at a sex party because it's kind of like a high bar for entertainment.
0: Yeah. And there's definitely a community of artists that, like that's a big part of their profession is performing at sex positive events like either play parties or BDSM conferences i know a lot of people that that's like a big part of what they do there's an event in san francisco called body storytelling and it's not a play party but it's a it's a sex storytelling show and the vibe is you know very open and accepting and um, no actual sex goes down there but a lot of people from that community go and um, it's a really it's a good event I think for people that are that don't want to be at a play party but they want to go to a sex positive event and there's a lot of uh, those performers and artists there too
4: that's actually great to know a kind of way to like dip your toe in if you're not ready for the yeah. if you're not ready for the orgy time yet yeah and I <laughs> think the steps. body is in a bunch of cities throughout the country for sure that's awesome well thank you so much Kate we really appreciate you taking the time to share all of your stories with us All right, thank you so much. It was great talking to you guys. Thank you. Bye-bye. Bye. Bye. Welcome to Play It, a new podcast network featuring radio and TV personalities talking business, sports, tech, entertainment, and more. Play it at play.it. So our next guest was one of the people that was profiled in this piece that we wrote on Cosmopolitan.com called, Here's What Happens in the Orgy Dome, Burning Man's Wildest Sex Party. So more discussions about the orgy dome to be had. Please welcome Allie to the podcast. Hi, Allie. Hi. Welcome. I feel like I'm like in an Allie sandwich right now. (laughs) I have Cosmo Allie in here on the studio with me and then Burning Man Allie on the phone. (laughs) So, Allie, we were just talking to um, another, um, we were just interviewing somebody else on the podcast that has been to Burning Man several times, and she was talking about being in the orgy dome at Burning Man, and she said something that actually kind of reminded me of what you had said in the article, which was that her overall feeling was that it actually wasn't that sexy. Is that a fair statement? Um,
1: yeah, I mean, I don't... I'm not someone who really gets into group sex. As like, it's not my like my thing. Really turn me on. I'm not like, oh wow, this gonna happen. Oh, I'm really (laughs) excited for that. So for me, it's just not gonna. I'm just not gonna have that reaction to it. But I know for my partner Dan, it's really like that's something that really gets him excited. So for him, it is that kind of
5: sexy totally. I was super interested by your description where you talk about like waiting in line and like I think maybe you can conceptualize going to a sex party in your head. You can like maybe picture what that looks like. But the idea of like having to stand and wait in a line to go have sex in a room with other people having sex seems like it would kind of kill the vibe. Did you find that like any of the waiting heightened the excitement for you or was it kind of just a mood killer? Um, for
1: the most part, I would say it was totally a mood killer. <laughs> There's sort of a sense of like having to own up to like, yeah, I'm going to go have sex with both of these guys or these six people or whatever. And you sit there in a room with all these other people. They're going to do the same thing, too, but to like yeah, be kind of public about it for a minute, which I guess could be that could be kind of sexy if you think about it in the right way. I don't know if I was really turned on by it, but I could see that being like kind of like if you're the exhibitionist type, and also like maybe find it empowering to be like, you know what, I'm making this choice. And hearing I am when I'm doing it. Totally.
4: That's actually one of the things that I find so interesting about it is that it's not just sort of for people that are really interested in group sex and want to explore that. But really that aspect of you're doing this in a giant room filled with other people. Like that's kind of like two things you have to be very comfortable with. And like, I know, I think you had mentioned in your piece that you didn't really feel like people there were performing, but I'm just, I don't know, in some ways, like the having sex with multiple people seems more understandable to me than the idea of doing that all in front of an audience.
1: I've been to some other events where you kind of get this vibe that people come there and they want to show off all their sex skills and (laughs) their porno faces and like, like, I remember just watching this couple this one time. I'm like, that looks 0% fun. Like, I don't know what you're doing. Yeah. It was definitely a spectacle. But, yeah, I, it wasn't working for me. And I don't think it was working for anyone watching them. Yeah. But that is not the vibe I got there. At Burning Man, it, was, it felt very unperformative. And people were almost to the point of, like, really into their own group. Like, you were just with your... So you technically could go around and, you know, say, Hey, like, I really like what you guys your vibe over here, would you mind if my boyfriend and I came over? Like you you could do that, but nobody was actually doing that. It felt very like most people are in their group, you know, they're threesome or, you know, six some or whatever the heck they were doing. Um <laughs> and I didn't have that like yeah, very like I've seen at other pe- events, like I've been approached before, I've been like, Hey, do you want to do this
4: thing? Like, oh no, thank you or oh I'm not sure. Um yeah, people weren't doing that at all. That is so I think we- it was just what oh, were you going to say? Oh, sorry. I didn't... Go ahead. Finish your thought.
1: I, it's okay. sort of weird, honestly, that like a Burning Man where you are at a place where you're supposed to be so immediate and so um, like putting yourself out there in a way that you might not in your regular life, that people would be a little bit more reserved. I'm not sure if most people that were in that dome go to a lot of those kind of parties. I don't go to a lot, but I've been to a
4: few. Yeah. That was actually what I was going to say because what you're saying kind of mirrored the other woman that we spoke with who was just at Burning Man. And I actually think that's so interesting because I feel like it's such a common complaint for like all women in their twenties and thirties. Like it's so hard to meet anyone. No one approaches anyone. <laughs> it's the only so way people to meet to online. Join in an, an yeah, orgy. I know, but it's like, isn't that kind of insane? Like even in a giant tent where people are like having sex in public, it's still actually like a little hard to meet people (laughs) I totally yeah that's really interesting um I think it's also interesting you know you said like not that I've been to that many of these kinds of parties but it's interesting to me that you were sort of picking up that maybe the crowd at Burning Man at this like orgy dome maybe those aren't necessarily like the regulars on the scene yeah there's probably some people that do this frequently,
1: but most of the people in line did not seem like it's something they do. So This is one of the things they were, you know, I'm a burning man. I'm going to try something crazy. I'm going to go to an order Right. Room. It's right. more
5: of a destination for people who are, like, at an art festival and figure, why not, versus like, just a play party event that you seek out only for that. So I'm sure it
4: attracts more beginners. It's like mainstream. <laughs> um. So what happened? What did you and your partner do in the time so I went
1: with Dan and then another guy and um, kind of just we, we actually came in on a, another group of our friends from our camp, which was super random. They're like, oh, we got it all warm for you guys. We're like,
5: <laughs> <Ew>. oh, <okay." laughs> Maybe not awesome. the the welcome you want to hear yeah. inside an orgy dome. The word warm isn't <laughs> exactly a, the sexy.
1: <laughs> it was really funny. Like, <laughs> and they're all lovely, gorgeous people. Kind of happy to see them there. And um, this is like over a year ago, so I may not remember all the details, but we had this kind of... So we'd been to a playgroup-based thing, whatever, maybe six months beforehand, and this idea of Eiffel Towering me, while my primary partner, like, said words in French and pretended to eat a baguette. Oh my like, god, what, you what, went like this all out! Whatever. <laughs> so we were like, oh, that Eiffel Tower thing we do sometimes... Kind of like we started doing, and then we were started think like maybe we could try double penetration. I don't know, we haven't done that before. I don't know, let's try it. Did not work out at all. Zero percent working out. So like,
5: w- what didn't work for you? Like what? What felt like? Oh my God, no. um Butt sex. Sure. Don't really do it
1: all the time.
5: Sure. But <laughs>
1: thought, hey, you know, this might work. Did not. And especially like we didn't have enough lube it was like so dry like if you have an experience that being in a desert for two weeks like living in a tent it's like the driest you can be like and still be like I'm functional I, I can do things I honestly like, just, just like
4: did. clenched hearing that I know I feel dehydrated just talking about this <laughs> But wait, why? Why in the orgy dome is there not like a wall of lube or like a lube shower? Like some people said there was really lube available, problem. and yet I thought that there was. Maybe it's just we were
1: running out of it and we didn't go ask or something. Because totally. they had like these little like not like like bowls with like condoms and stuff in them. And I, From what I remember, we just like, oh, ours
5: doesn't
1: have any lube. Oh, wow. Well.
5: <laughs> <laughs> yeah. hmm. So, to what, man, to see the manager.
4: Right, exactly. Excuse me, my bowl of condoms came without lube. <laughs> I'm sending it back. What is the music playing? Like, is it, like, club music? Is it, like, top 40? Is it, like, deadly silent, except for, like, the squeak of people's bodies?
1: Wow. Squeak. <laughs>
4: um, <laughs> the least sexy word. <laughs>
1: I'm pretty sure there's music, but I can't
5: remember it. Yeah. I feel like it'd be very trance-like.
4: so do you feel like you know the orgy dome in general I think kind of has this mystique around it but you know going to these sort of play parties in general or putting that all in the same category um, has that changed your views on sex or monogamy at all
1: well I'm not monogamous and I would have used to be but um, what more changed was the people in my life were and I met my primary partner and he was um was open and I was like oh I don't know how I feel about that and over time you know we just sort of experimented a little bit and I was comfortable with it because I was comfortable with him so and then we had that trust between us that really made it possible for us to be open so yeah I guess that's been like the biggest thing is why I'm in a non-monogamous relationship is that I'm comfortable to be mm-hmm. and it's good but uh I would say having that first play party that we I was living in Chicago and I came out to visit Dan and we had some other friends all come visit and we all went to this thing is like a let's go to a crazy like sex party in LA is like a and that was kind of a point where I got to be a lot closer with a lot of other non-monogamous people and people in our theme camp and so that definitely I would say brought me I wouldn't say I'm in the lifestyle but like In terms of like actually going to some more events and I don't know, being more out with my friends about being non monogamous because my primary partner and I weren't really out for a long time.
4: Well, I couldn't, I feel like there's something really relatable about that. And like, I guess I don't know how common it is but it feels relatable the idea that it starts off as you know like ooh what if we did this like what if we tried this and then you know it sounds for, like for you like it was fun to sort of meet this other people these other people and these other couples um, you know that were a part of this lifestyle and I could see how it kind of starts as like something you're just kind of dipping your toe into and experimenting and becomes something that becomes a little more interesting or like you know you realize that it's not important to you to be monogamous or whatever yeah, like, the first people I had met
1: that were, like, really in the lifestyle, I didn't, just didn't connect with them that much, but the group that we happened to kind of stumble across was, you know, is a really solid, amazing group of friends beyond all that. Like, if we didn't have that connecting point of being non-monogamous, because there are groups of people and our friends that are monogamous, and that's fine, like, we'd definitely all still be friends, mm-hmm. but it definitely when you're with people that are that, you know, inspiring and make like, you want to be, you know, more, you know, those kind of friends that um, it's much easier to want to explore that and be more out about it. And
4: yeah, for sure. Well, thank you so much, Allie, for sharing your story with us. Um, I appreciate it so much. And the piece just blew up on Cosmo. Our readers were so with fun. This. It was so fun. So thank you for sharing your experience. Um, talk to you soon. Thanks guys. Bye. 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 Um, I feel like this is a perfect segue to talk about Mack Weldon. They have the most comfortable underwear, socks, shirts, undershirts, hoodies, and sweatpants for your man. Mack Weldon, I talk about them a lot on the podcast. I really love their product. They are committed to having really great design, premium fabrics, and a really great shopping experience on their site, which if you're addicted to online shopping, as we all are, that's important. Um, I feel like it's especially fun to talk about this in the context of Burning Man, because one of the benefits of Mack Weldon's premium fabrics is that they are really designed to be odor eliminating. So what I always say about Mac Weldon is that this, this is perfect for the guy who is like wearing an undershirt or his boxers all day long and then maybe going to the gym and then maybe coming home and wanting to cuddle with you or maybe in this context spending two weeks in the middle of the desert at Burning Man and like not really taking a shower. Um, so check out MacWeldon.com. That's M-A-C-K-W-E-L-D-O-N.com and use promo code COSMO to get 20 off your order they carry underwear socks shirts um, that they promise look good and will keep you odor free and feeling super stylish our next guest has attended four sex parties and even a cuddle party she's a writer an editor and a certified yoga teacher please welcome Steph Auturi to the Cosmo podcast hi Steph hi there how are you I'm doing pretty good. So we have been talking on this entire episode about sex parties. We've actually just before we hopped on the phone with you talked to a few people that have had some sex parties in your past. So I feel like I want to start right off by asking you actually about the cuddle party. I'm what? fascinated. Yeah. <laughs> What's a cuddle party? Tell us everything.
3: Oh, that's so funny. I uh, I went to um, a cuddle party years ago in New York City. Because I was doing up a piece for Nerve.com. Um, so a cuddle party is basically a social event uh, during which the people engage in physical signs of affection while they're just hanging out and chatting. I mean, I dressed in pajamas. Everyone was dressed in pajamas. And after a little role playing session uh, during which we all practiced saying no to unwanted touch, everyone sort of just let loose to cuddle, to spoon, to give back massages and foot sw- massages, whatever they're in the mood for um the one I went to ended in a cuddle puddle also known as a puppy pile which is sort of like a cross between a group hug and a a football pylon I don't know quite how to describe it but 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 that's uh a cuddle party in a nutshell
4: um it sounds like warm and delightful and delicious is the point of it to be non-sexual yeah does it feel like erotically charged at all It's less erotic and more just intimate. I
3: I, I think the idea is to work on communication, to work on setting boundaries, and just to have that intimate physical affection.
4: And so was that your first experience? You know, did the sex parties come after that? Like, was this your foray into the sex and cuddle party world? (laughs) It actually came smack dab in between. And I have to admit that... um,
3: I'm not typically comfortable with your average public displays of affection, which I know sounds ludicrous um, having been to sex parties. (coughs) So it wasn't necessarily my cup of tea. I actually preferred the the sex parties. I felt more comfortable there.
4: Wait, I actually do think that's ludicrous. I would imagine. (laughs) No, but I would imagine that like a prerequisite of going to a sex party is that you have to be comfortable with public displays of affection.
5: I see. I so feel like, um, bring on the sex party. I don't need this cuddling. If anybody's going to be touching me, they should at least be trying to get me off.
4: <laughs> so I'm <laughs> afraid of public displays of affection. Allie is afraid of cuddling without having an orgasm. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so what are we missing here? Set the record straight for us, Steph.
3: Okay, so, um,
4: well, that probably
3: goes back to why I decided to uh, attend a sex party in the first place. Um So I was interviewing someone who hosted parties regularly way back in the day. And um, during our interview, she sort of just threw it out there. Why don't you come to my next party? And at that point, I had been writing about sex for only a couple of years professionally. And I was really eager to throw myself into new experiences. that um, do it. <laughs> and the reason I was so eager was because I had been struggling with sex. I had been struggling with low libido, and I had been experiencing pain during intercourse. And I feel like I was using my sex writing uh, sort of as a shock therapy. I kept thinking that the next thing I try will be the key to fixing everything. So I couldn't help but say yes to the sex party.
4: Right. <laughs> And so, wait, so did it work? Yeah. <laughs> it, you know, it works
3: temporarily. I mean, when, when my husband and I went at the time, he was just my boyfriend, um, we, you know, we had talked beforehand about what, what we're comfortable doing, what we're not comfortable with. And basically, uh, we weren't going to necessarily play with other people, but we were going to see, you know, what the spirit moved us to do. And it was basically just a turn on because it's just this very sexy atmosphere And after a while, you can't help but want to fool around, even if it's just with each other.
4: (laughs) That has actually been a recurring theme in all the conversations we've had, is that it seems like most of the sex happening at sex parties is between the people that are arriving together. Yeah, your
3: date. (laughs) I I mean, I did see a lot. I mean, there were people playing with other people, but there were a lot of couples. And, you know, in order to go to a sex party, usually either single women or couples. Men have to be a part of a couple to go
5: to many sex parties. I have no problem with that.
4: (laughs) (laughs) No, it's, it's, you know, it's a great rule. (laughs) (laughs) Um, And so what about, for people that haven't been, what about the environment made it sexy? And just to... Again, to put a little bit of this into context, the two people we just talked to were specifically talking about the orgy dome at Burning Man, which actually sounded very not sexy. Oh, <laughs> you're really? really? The, yeah, you're really the first person we've talked to that described the atmosphere as being sexy. So what about it made it feel that way? Oh, that's so funny. See, at first, it, it wasn't
3: sexy at all. I was so nervous to go to this thing. I mean, again, I'm not into public displays of affection. I sort of consider myself a bit of a prude, despite being a sex writer. <laughs> But I remember very clearly that when we arrived at our first party, the hostess was still putting out little bowls of like pretzels and twizzlers, and it was so ordinary. That's um, so sweet. Very thoughtful. <laughs> it was It was nice. And, and then for the first hour, maybe, the only thing that really distinguished that party from any other party was the attire, because some people were just in jeans and tank tops, but other people were in corsets or chaps or other pieces of fetish wear. But as people started to loosen up... Throughout the night, um, you know, there was a little bit more play happening around us, Um, so we started to experience this sort of erotic energy. We were we were hanging out with this uh, one couple, just chatting, and uh, the guy was just fondling his girlfriend's bare breast right in front of us, like casually, no big deal. And at some point, we realized, you know, we want to, you know, we're we're feeling pretty turned on right now, so um, we ended up finding a dark corner in a dark room (laughs) and uh, started making out. And, you know, one thing led to another. And there I was having sex at a sex party.
4: And so that's sort of, I guess, how you reconcile being a person that isn't necessarily into public displays of affection and doing it at a party is you find the dark corner.
3: (laughs) Yes, we found the dark corner. But what's even more interesting is that I looked over at one point and saw someone walk through the doorway, (laughs) (laughs) sort of double take when he saw us. (laughs) <laughs> but then instead of leaving, he's like, i am got to stay here and, and watch this show. And, and then in that moment, I didn't even care. I mean, because we were both so turned on by that point that, you know, nothing was going to stop that train.
4: <laughs> I actually, I think that's really interesting because I was just going to say, you know, you kind of mentioned this idea that at most of these play parties, you know, single men aren't necessarily allowed to come. And I was going to ask if there are other, like, unspoken don'ts at these kind of events. Yeah. And I would actually think that watching would be discouraged. It's true that's
5: interesting at the Orgy Dome in specific they have a rule that you can't go and not participate like you can't just be a lurker lurker. and different parties have different rules but I'm just Mm -hmm. curious.
3: No that is a rule I've seen floating around and a a big rule I mean a lot of the rules that there are around sex parties um are in relation to consent I mean whether you're there with or without a partner you need to be aware that a sex party is not like a free-for-all grab bag um The other party attendees aren't really there solely to fulfill your sexual fantasies, though it's certainly possible that your fantasies will be fulfilled, but uh, everything there requires absolutely clear consent. I mean, number one rule above all.
4: And what the consent piece is definitely something that's come up in our conversations and is important. Aside from consent, consent, somebody that's listening to this podcast that's getting sort of turned on by your stories and what you're saying. What's your advice for them going to a sex party the first for the first time?
3: Well, beyond consent, if you're if you are going with a partner, I'd have to say that it is crucial to agree beforehand on or is not allowed for the both of you. I mean, you never want to ruin a good time in the midst of it all by trampling all over your partner's boundaries. It'd be an experience that enlivens the both of you. So it's definitely important if you're going with a partner to have that conversation beforehand. Mm -hmm. Once you're there, coming back to the issue of consent, you should never feel that you have to say yes to anything just, you know, so that you feel you're going with the flow. I mean... I think that's going back to the cuddle party, why we actually practiced saying no to people if they asked us, uh, may I give you a massage, may I give you a hug. Like we practiced before getting into things, uh, no, I don't want this. And that's sort of the underlying... Theme when you go to a sex party—that you always have that power to say no if you want to.
4: Yeah, it's like when I took ice skating lessons when I was a kid, and the very first thing they teach you in ice skating lessons is like how to wipe out and fall. <laughs> it's like you start there, and then you learn how to do some tricks. Mm-hmm, <laughs> mm-hmm. Um, so, what is the sexiest thing that you ever seen happen at one of these parties, or the sexiest thing that's ever happened to you? Well, the, the sexiest thing, I guess, is,
3: is what I told you before when we were. Um, Chatting with that couple, decided we were in the mood to fool around, found that dark room, um, and then just continued having sex, despite the fact that someone was watching us. I mean, it was so outside of my typical experience, because again, despite being a sex writer, I considered myself a prude, but I got so fired up that night. Um, and when we left the party that night to head back home, I found myself wishing I could sort of bottle up that feeling and, and you know, use it over and over again in my normal life.
4: <laughs> yeah, same. I feel the same way. But you can, you know, you
5: can like talk to your partner. You can say, hey, remember that time right, when the exactly. lights were really dim? And it does. It works like lightning in a bottle, like a little bottled up aphrodisiac. Like those memories mm-hmm. are so evocative. You
4: can really tap into them. Absolutely. That's awesome. Well, Steph, thank you so much for sharing your experience with us. It was great to, um, I, you know, I thought my favorite thing to talk about was going to be the cuddle party, but I think I like your your <laughs> aphrodisiac lightning in a bottle story. Yeah. So thank you so much. <laughs> thank you. Thank you. Bye-bye. Bye, guys. Welcome to Play It, a new podcast network featuring radio and TV personalities talking business, sports, tech, entertainment, and more. Play it at play.it. I think a lot of times people are apprehensive this isn't something we've talked a lot about sex parties so far but we haven't really talked about like if you are interested in going to one of these how do you broach that in a relationship or if your partner brings it up to you and you're not really sure how to react how to tackle that so we thought we should get a professional's point of view please welcome back to the podcast sex and relationship expert Dr. Jess O'Reilly hi Dr. Jess hello how's it going great how are you wonderful excited to talk about sex parties oh my gosh you have we have just talked to three people right in a row that had like crazy stories about sex parties um which has given me a lot of questions in my own (laughs) mind so do you I guess to start off with um we've been talking about this in the entire episode of the podcast Dr. Jess do you think every couple should go to a sex party is this like a (laughs) must-do
2: I won't call it a must-do but I would recommend you at least talk about going to a sex party. I think you can benefit so immensely from being in an environment where sex is celebrated as opposed to shrouded in secrecy. So I see couples who are really reticent to try it out. And then when they do, so often it's a positive outcome. And the outcome, I think, really doesn't depend necessarily on the party, but on your preparation. So did you talk about what you wanted ahead of time? Did you set boundaries? Did you follow the rules that you set? Um, did you drink too much? Did you do your research? Did you maybe go with the right person? And where are you in your relationship? So uh, I really think that if you have the opportunity and you're open to pushing that comfort zone, go to a sex party.
4: And um, sorry. I don't know why I just totally lost my train of thought. But one thing that I'm also thinking about is. You know, you are really selling this and making it sound really appealing and making it sound like hopefully everyone that is listening to this podcast is like kind of getting interested in this idea. But where do you start? I mean, do you literally just Google like sex party New York City? Yeah, like how do you
5: find places that, you know, are going to be like safe and comfortable?
4: Yeah, because even the people we've talked about this, you know, that we've talked to so far in the podcast sort of talk about, you know, the lifestyle or being part of the community or like we had some friends that were, you know, I think actually everyone has really talked about friends friends kind of bringing them into the play party Mm -hmm. fold. So if you are kind of don't have friends that are in that community at all, where do you start?
2: Well, one place to start would be your local lifestyle club, because some of these lifestyle clubs that originally catered to swingers now cater to people who definitely don't identify as swingers, but just are a little bit more open-minded, and and looking to explore. So one place is your local adult clubs. The next would be any of the sex-positive stores across the country. So places like the Pleasure Chest and the staff who work there are really tapped into the kind of sex educator communities. And what you'll find is I would hope that every sex educator, you know, has at least gone to a sex party, even if you hate them. This is the most important thing. I'm telling you to go. I'm not telling you you should like it. You may hate it, but it'll still be good for your relationship because of the conversation that it spawns. So you can laugh about what made you uncomfortable. You can talk about what made you feel insecure or insecure or jealous. You can recount what you saw that maybe turned you on a little or made you nervous. So sex doesn't always need to be an overwhelmingly positive experience. And not every night out is going to be, a 10 out of 10. So you can, so to go back to that, that question, I mentioned sex positive stores. I mentioned, um, you know, sex clubs and lifestyle clubs, but you can also look on lifestyle websites and there are a number of companies who are kind of bridging the gap between vanilla and swinging. It's not you ha- that you have to identify as one or the other, because it's really about your behavior not really your identity. So, you know, there's, um, sls events which is uh, used to be called sls exchange you can check out what they're doing sometimes they have parties play parties for instance that are only for women because some women feel more comfortable if they're going to experiment just Um, in an environment with
4: other women right which is kind of leading me into another question i have on my mind which is like gonna totally stereotype men for a second um sorry men but how do you know if you're happen to be in a circumstance where your partner brings this up to you like how do you know that that's really like with the best interest of your relationship in mind versus a guy that just you know is doing that stereotypical guy thing of like of course he wants to hook up with as many women as possible
2: well, I think that that has nothing to do with a sex party and that has to do with your relationship to begin with, right? Yeah. If you're sexually compatible. If, if he wants to go to a sex party uh, and is open to talking about it with you and not pressuring you but discussing and you're talking about your boundaries and what might make you nervous, then ultimately it is good for your relationship. And I, I really think it's important to get away from a, a deficit model in which we assume that if our partner wants to try something new – that there's inherently a problem or something missing. When you want to try, uh, you know, experiment with a new new experience or you want to just inject some novelty and creativity into your sex life, into your relationship, it doesn't mean that you're struggling. It doesn't mean that you're a 2 out of 10. It just means that,
4: hey, I value this relationship. I also value sex. And I'm willing to do something about it now. That said, I think it would be a fear for some women, like, And I know that's exactly what you're saying about the deficit model, so maybe this is just a way of digging deeper into that. Like, I think some women would say, like, well, if I go to this kind of party or I try this kind of thing, like, is that going to make having sex with just regular old me feel boring? Well, there are
2: two sides to that
4: equation. So one is... Novelty drives
2: human sexual desire, human sexual arousal and experience. Mm -hmm. So if you do it over and over again, you'll actually get bored of that as well. (laughs) Mm -hmm. And it doesn't mean that you need to escalate, but I will say this. There are so many couples I work with, and I'm not talking about one or two or a dozen. I'm talking about hundreds who go to more sex resorts than sex parties, just because it gives them a chance to, and I, they're not called sex resorts, I'm talking about, I think I've probably mentioned it to you before, the Desire Resorts in Mexico, and they go once a year, and that's actually what keeps their sex life going all year long, because they have these experiences, they have these conversations, they make connections, and they kind of put it in the bank, and they're able to fantasize about it together for the rest of the year, and I'll be really clear, that at least half of these couples don't do anything with other couples. They are there for the atmosphere, for the voyeurism, for the exhibitionism, for the, I think, creative
4: conversations that it really inspires. So, right. So there, I think that's a really important point to underscore that there are a lot of ways to participate in this. So if somebody is listening to this podcast right now and they feel very interested in kind of doing this and maybe it's a new territory for them and their partner, how do you recommend that they bring it up? Well, I think that it's sex clubs have become, I think, a common topic of conversation
2: and we see it in popular media. We see these storylines popping up so I always suggest that you turn to popular media first and you say oh did you see that scene what did you think of that I think it's a really way to gauge a partner's interest and also to express how you feel and say you know I never would have considered that before but I feel like we're in a place where that might be fun I want to really drive home an extremely important point and I give this advice to every single couple the first time you go I suggest you agree to do nothing nothing but conversation and observing and i mean if there's you know light flirtation at the bar that that's one thing but you're not going to just dive in head first in most cases uh you, you know you really you have to realize that at these sex clubs and sex parties there are in fact more rules more specific rules more sex positive rules more feminist rules than at a regular nightclub and you'll find that for the most part and of course there are exceptions there are good and bad people in every community but for the most part, people will be really supportive of enthusiastic consent, of open communication that we, we just wouldn't use in a regular nightclub, right? If I go to a nightclub and a guy's interested in me, uh, he's probably going to grind up on me, right? He doesn't walk over and say, hey, is it okay if I put my crotch against your <laughs> mouth? Mm-hmm. But, you know, you'll see at sex parties, people will come up and oftentimes in hetero situations where they're male-female partners, and that's not always the case, Uh, But you'll you'll see that a lot of the times the female identified partner does the initiating. So she might say, you know, would you mind if I danced with your wife and do you want to dance with me? So there's a lot of permission asking and you'll be surprised um, you'll be surprised at uh, how clearly boundaries and rules and questions are communicated. Again, this is the ideal and there are certainly situations where we fall short. But uh, I I think you'll be pleasantly surprised, especially if you go with the attitude that you're just there to experience it, not do anything. You're not going to have sex with each other. Remember that out of many of these sex clubs, you can go and you can get on a big mattress or a big room. But there are also private rooms that you can lock yourself into. And that can be really exciting just knowing that you're in there and that there are people on the outside.
4: Absolutely. So what was your first experience at a sex party like?
2: So I stumbled upon a sex party more happenstance than purpose. <laughs> How does that completely. even happen? <laughs> so
5: all will advise the that you could other people right, out the right, right. Yeah. I
2: should be clear. It's not that I didn't know where I was going. So I was down at a resort, and we decided to go to another one of these adult-only, um, uh, nudist, nudist um, clothing-optional, sorry. We, we decided to go on a, to one of these clothing-optional, adult-only, erotic-themed resorts just for the night for a party. And uh, I was with my now husband. I I don't remember if we were married at the time, but my family was around, too. And so we we just went and and kind of observed. And maybe we were just warriors at the time. You and and your family. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) And I I think, well, this is the thing. We joke about it, but it's not all out in the open either, right? Like oftentimes there's a bar area and there's a dance floor and there are playrooms and there are different floors and there are showers and there are locker rooms. So you can, in many cases, see as little or as much as you would like. But, yes, mine was certainly a stumbling upon. It wasn't in the plans. And um, we really loved it. So, and it was actually my husband. So I tend to be the more adventurous one, the one who says, hey, let's try this, let's do this. Or at least I used to be. I'm probably uh, lacking in that department. No, never. But yeah, yeah. i got to work on it. That's okay. I'm, I'm, I'm doling out the advice, and I need to take some of my own, some of my own medicine. But he he had suggested, you know what, let's let's go back and stay the night and see what it's like. And we certainly weren't interested in being with other people or anything like that. We just liked the public atmosphere, the very erotic atmosphere. There's something so freeing about just not wearing clothes and everybody kind of being just themselves and not worrying about labels and really comfortable in their skin. And uh, I was so young that I learned so much from these women who were twice my age.
4: You know, you actually made me think of one more thing that I feel like before we have to wrap up that I feel like we haven't really addressed so far on this episode of the podcast. Everyone we've kind of talked to, a few of the people we talked to that have been to sex parties were almost a little like blase about them. And, like <laughs> We had a few people that were really kind of hating on the orgy dome at Burning Man, just saying it wasn't really that sexy. But one thing that we haven't really talked about is I think everyone has had this attitude of just feeling really sexually comfortable and like... I'm realizing as you're talking about this like I don't really feel like I'm a person that feels comfortable like being naked in public or like the idea of like somebody seeing me have sex (laughs) I guess my partner actually makes me want to die like but I maybe I'm the only person in the world that feels that way but I I don't don't think think you're the only person you know I think even like people that are very confident in their sex lives like this is might feel like a whole nother level and like What would you say to people that are maybe interested in this idea but don't necessarily know that they have, like, the confidence level? Because everyone we talk to has seemed very confident about that. Like, that has been a non-issue. Well, I'd say
2: first and foremost, you're in the majority. To be nervous, to be uncomfortable. Okay, good. Yeah, I would say that you're far more in the majority than those who are totally comfortable with it. I would say that you need to find your community. You need to find a party where they may, where they help to make you feel comfortable. And again, you don't need to do it on stage with a spotlight. It might be <laughs> off in a corner. And then, like, for instance, the resort that I that I go down to several times a year, there are these beds around the jacuzzi and there are these white sheer curtains that you can close off. So you're kind of in your cocoon and nobody's going to peep in. I'm not saying they're not going to you know, look out of the corner of their eye from the jacuzzi, but nobody's going to come there and stare over you and make you uncomfortable. And and just because there are people who are non-monogamous there, they're not going to come up and just dive right in. They'll actually say, can we join you? Or, or are you looking for company?
5: And they take rejection Really, surprisingly well. I feel like that's something we all have to learn from this community. Like that seems to be like the best thing. Like how to take rejection like a pro. Like that would be the one thing that I think applies like genuinely to everybody.
2: Right? How to give it? How to be comfortable? Totally. I I know a lot of us feel really badly, and we make excuses. And I, I can tell you, I've I've done this in the past. I've made up so many excuses rather than just saying, you know, we're just not interested or we don't feel the chemistry, that's a really good line, like we don't feel the chemistry. Um, but I, I think especially, you know, there are gender dynamics in dating for people who date the opposite sex, and we, we often, it's men who are stuck with the rejection because they're also stuck with the initiating. Mm-hmm. And so for women in the community, it can be their very first time being rejected, and I think it, that can be a very difficult thing, but it's so important for for your character development for your life to understand hey i like i'm gonna be rejected i'm not everyone's cup of tea and i'm I'm definitely not everyone's cup of tea at this exact moment in time
4: when it works for me oh my god dr Jess, this is not helping with my (laughs) (laughs) no i'm just kidding as always you have amazing advice um and this has been so helpful thank you so much for helping us make sense of this and as always where is the best place for people to follow you and find you
2: you can find me at Sex With Dr. Jess on all social media and
4: sexwithdrjess.com. Awesome. Thanks so much, Dr. Jess. Thank you. Have a good one. You too. Bye bye. Bye bye. So, Allie, what have you learned today about sex parties? Oh I know my you're gosh. dying to go to one already. Dying. Just chomping at the bit. No, not really.
5: But um, I did learn the kinds of things that you should talk about beforehand. And I don't think I was like, quite prepared for the eventuality that, like, my partner and I might get rejected by other partners. so I Oh feel my like gosh, terrifying. I feel like it's a little bit of a crash course of like, okay, how to take disappointment like a pro. We can handle that.
4: Yeah, and <laughs> I think it was just really interesting, not to belabor this, because in some ways it was like, we already did, but it was like, you know, I think from the outside you imagine the whole idea of the orgy dome and sex parties as being this like hedonistic. Just like, like wild. Everybody's yeah. going
5: for it. Everybody's like oiled up and so hot and everybody's like totally body positive and confident. Right,
4: exactly. Like, I almost feel like there was some indication that that Borgie dome is just like a little lame.
5: <laughs> and I was,
4: Ooh, I'm telling Britney. Yeah, it. exactly. Oh my gosh. Um, and I was also shocked about to hear um some of our earlier guests saying that people aren't really like approaching people, which in some ways you think that's part of the point of this sort of like community community aspect.
5: But who knows? Maybe they're all following Dr. Jess's rules since their first time so they're just observing only. That they're was, going without any kind of activity plan.
4: That was That is a really
5: good point and <laughs> I feel like it was really good. I felt like that was a good like starter tip. Totally. Now I know. <laughs> totally.
4: Well, Allie, um, as always, we like to end by having you shout out your Twitter handle. Where is the best place for people to follow you besides reading all of the amazing sex and relationship Read all of our stories. stuff on Cosmo. Yes. But
5: you can get me at Allie underscore Drucker on all social platforms.
4: And as always, you guys can find me at Elisa Benson. Please tweet me and let me know what you thought about our Wild Sex Parties podcast and any ideas you have that you want to hear us talk about in the podcast again soon. And as always, please rate it and like it and share it and do all those things that you do with podcasts. And I will see you guys next week.